Now is the time to accelerate innovation. T-Mobile for Business is powering Formula One Las Vegas Grand Prix operations and epic fan experiences with secure, reliable 5G connectivity. Because an event this big and this fast deserves a network that can set the pace. See what our 5G advanced network solutions can do for your business at T-Mobile.com slash now. View 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com. Introducing the first ever Grand Highlander, a mid-sized SUV with the ideal combination of space, performance, style, and advanced tech. The roomy Grand Highlander boasts three spacious rows with available seating for up to eight. It's available 362 horsepower. Hybrid Max powertrain on limited and platinum trims delivers the power, acceleration, and efficiency so your family can take on any adventure. There's even a standard digital key, a panoramic view mirror, and a 12.3-inch multimedia touchscreen so you always arrive on time. Live life grander in the first-ever Toyota Grand Highlander. Learn more at toyota.com slash Grand Highlander. Whether it's your first time betting or you've been gambling for years, have a plan and know the game. Be aware of the rules and odds before you gamble. Set a budget and never gamble with money you can't afford to lose. Take a break and consider teaming up with trusted friends to help you stick to your budget. Remember, if you or a loved one has a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to HelpMyGamblingProblem.org for free confidential services. The Around the NFL Podcast should try intermittent fasting. Yeah, sure. Welcome to another edition of the Around the NFL Podcast presented by Intuit QuickBooks. My name is Dan Hansis, coming to you from a room filled with heroes, Mark Sessler, Chris Wessling, and Greg Rosenthal. What is up, please? Hey, Dan. Intermittent fasting, IF. People speak highly of it. They do. Kind of a tough sitch for the old Zeus, the old giving up a whole meal and all that stuff. I struggle with it, i got to be honest with you. Well, we know Greg would never do that. He's on a firm time schedule for eating. I mean, we only have so many days left, so many meals left. We're just going to miss them? <laughs> miss fair. those opportunities? It gets to be like 6.42 and Greg starts twitching. <laughs> I wouldn't peg Greg as, as needing Love it either. Greg. It's it's a late, it's a weight loss and health management scenario overall. Oh, seem extremely the, balanced the and healthy. Fasting. Love you, bro. The, you know. What was that? Mark? Oh, here we go. <laughs> I could be in Love better you, shape, that's for sure. <laughs> we all could. Yes. Hey, that's the season. What are we calling it? It's body quest season. Body quest. <laughs> Absolutely. We're all on the body quest. Yep. What do we got coming up? Already Wes- involved in it. Sign up for a gym membership. Gym membership. <laughs> yeah. Nice. Um, Wes, you have a, a baby on the way and you have softball season coming, which I know, you know, I hope that you'll be a part of. Got to get the bod right. Got to get the bod tight. All of this is true. Yes, I, I do. I have some work to do in the bod tightening department. <laughs> uh, Greg, you're you know deeper into your 40s now. If you want to continue to do your runs. You just got. I am looking to mix it up because I I don't know if you've uh, heard about this. Runs are the most boring thing I ever made, and not good for you. They say the pounding on the pave. Yeah, too tough. too much of it. Tough sitch on the joints after a while. Depends on the surface. You could go to a track with a you know a more spongy. Too much surface. of it. You're right. Yeah, too much of it's bad. A uh, couple things. We're obviously we are back. Well, not obviously. I mean, there's nothing as a listener that you could tell the difference. Uh, we are back from Indianapolis. We're in Los Angeles and. It was a great time at the Combine. I thought I got the vibe, and Mark, you and I went out with some uh, colleagues uh, on Wednesday night before we flew out on Thursday, 
and we were out the night before Tuesday as well. I had never seen Indy so on fire, and I mean, without again putting anybody's name out there, the coaches are flying. You got scouts. You got you got some GMs hanging around. People were out and looking to get at it. I I talked to one person in the know, little Peter King, that this is the coach's favorite week of the year. Is that Indy week? Well, at the owners' meetings, and I'm sure this is enjoyable for them too, but they often bring their entire families. And so there's a lot of extra stuff to do and probably some boundaries put around them on some level. At the Combine, I sense to uh, to, to, to what you're saying, no boundaries on anyone. And it's one of those, it was one Combine, I don't really remember one like this, where afterwards we were on a text thread uh, multiple investigative texts of our own and, and what we all got up stories to. On trying to figure stories out what on top on actually of happened. Tried to unpack it all. It, it was pretty dense with um, memorable moments. Let's put it that way. I had a lot of favorite memories from the thir- Wednesday night. Um, but the one that stands out to me, the most vivid, is we're at the famous bar hangout area, Prime, in Indy. And... Mark's next to me, and I think I'm kind of in the middle of a conversation or just maybe looking down at my phone, and then I hear Marco, and there's an exact quote because I wrote it in my phone exactly at the moment, let's make some way for my man. And then Mark lands his hand on this guy's shoulder in a really familiar well, way. Well, it's a very crowded room, so I was doing him a favor. And then yeah. Sean Payton swings his head up and then looks over at Mark and me, expecting to see someone he knows very well. <laughs> Uh, but my man. <laughs> no, all, what I did was, and we didn't stop him. We Love didn't you, stop. Oh no. He. The, I, formed, I mean, you were helping him. I formed a corridor for him to get very through. Very crowded. If you've in been that in bar. prime. It is highly annoying. And Sean Payton is not six foot ten like some of these people yeah. roaming around the room. So it was like, let's make a corridor for the guy. I would call it a smile, but it was kind of like a little bit. I, Surprised, it, it, a little bewildered. He's like, am I your man? Well, I've had three or four interactions with Sean Payton, and they're all about that way in various <laughs> settings. So, I think one more, yeah, that could be a problem. Next time you see him, you might even say, Love you, bro. <laughs> I've seen several coaches give Mark that look. Well, it's, listen, you only have a short amount. As Greg says, there's only so many days left to uh, eat yogurt at a certain time and Talk to coaches. Not into yogurt. Well, Not into whatever. yogurt. John Lynch uh, gave you that. Gave a, a look somewhat similar <laughs> I to that. For while very, you were, for very while you were wearing a bathrobe, walking through uh, the hotel. Court. But Mark, Mark, and I had um, Greg. You were out with some other friends. Wes, I think you took it easy on Wednesday night. I, at this point in my life, I'm like a veteran NBA player. You just can't expect back to back, back to back. You know, I, I, I'm on load management. Yeah, no, I get that. I totally get that. But. Uh, Mark maybe is on some the same age as you, performance enhancers perhaps, that he's able to do these back-to-back. Well, Mark has taken quite a bit of time off lately, so may, he may be like rested and ready to go. <laughs> what does that mean? Well, you're like Jordan after he went away from the game. Right. And you then, had your you know. dalliance with baseball for like the last eight months. Load management. I've been going at it. <laughs> yeah, I think it's true. And I, I also think, Wes, you were you were an all-star one of the nights. I had quite a, a, a <laughs> oh, time with you. So. Yeah, that yeah. was a, that was the major factor you for why I could deliver. make it. You can still deliver, yeah. I could not make it the second night. Uh, but that, yeah, the night out, we ended up at a party that was a more kind of exclusive affair. There were in-depth conversations with certain head coaches, which can't be shared here, but it was it was a good one. Combine week, fun week. It was. Got out just in time, I feel like. All right, a lot coming to you guys, the listeners. Tom Curran, who is super plugged in, great New England sports guy. He works for NBC Sports Boston. With all this Tom Brady stuff swirling, 
we wanted to get somebody in the know just to have a conversation about what's going on uh, this weekend and throughout Combine Week, brought some reports. ESPN's Jeff Darlington, our former colleague, comes to mind that I think Darlington's wording was pretty strong that he'd be surprised if Tom Brady's back with the be Patriots. Shocked. shocked. Even stronger than I remembered. Uh, and Tom Brady's agent was in Indy doing the rounds, meeting with teams. So, you know, I remember kind of throwing it out there to you, uh, Greg, back in early November, and you dismissed it. And that's not saying that you were wrong or right or whatever. But even then, I said it more just to kind of, you know, get you fired up a little bit. But are you surprised where we are now that the, the kind of tenor of I dismissed the, what that he would ever leave, that he was oh. leaving? You're like, oh, stop it. It was one of those Greg responses. It was more that we didn't know anything then. I, I've kind of been open that I think it'd be interesting to start a new chapter with him. I, I don't know. I don't think anyone knows. Yeah, I don't have a hot. hot well, Tom Curran is plugged in up there, so we're going to talk to Tom all about it. Uh, but before we do that, how about some news? You hear about Carl? That's terrible. Why would somebody do something like that? Well, it was the Jets. My God. He just couldn't take it. It ate him up inside. What a catastrophe. I know last year started with such promise that Donald gets model, season's over by game three. I'm talking about his widow Veronica, his family. That's a catastrophe. Oh, of course. The latest episode of Curb Your Enthusiasm. I got about 47 tweets this morning. Did you see Curb last night? I hadn't, but I went back and watched it. And basically the hook of the episode is that one of his golfing buddies, who, like Larry David in real life, uh, Larry on the show is also a big Jets fan, and the guy, because of the Jets' uh, dysfunction and struggles, ends his life. And uh, Larry (laughs) um, knew this, knew why he actually did it, and the whole – there, how how deep does it go, and how far does it show Larry David's Jet fan bona fides? A big part of the end of the episode revolves around Austin Severian Jenkins' Jenkins uh, touchdown fumble controversy against the Patriots about four <laughs> years ago. Wow! And a fury about that. So check it out if you're a Jets fan or an NFL fan because it's very funny. Somehow that show is still incredible. I think like it's the, it's the best season in half a decade. Although I cannot get my HBO. Um, device to load, and so I could not watch it. I tried to start it 47 times last night mm. and finally gave up. Tough sitch. Wi-Fi issue. Tough sitch. Maybe. Let's get to some NFL news. We'll start with the Jacksonville Jaguars, who have a decision to make, it It appears. Uh, Yannick Ngakwe, he doesn't want to play with the Jags anymore, and he tweeted Monday morning uh, that he has no interest in a long-term deal in Jacksonville he wrote that the Jaguars are aware of this. Duval, I love you and gave you guys everything I got. I'm thankful for the journey and look forward to continuing my career elsewhere. Now, that doesn't mean he's gone, though, Chris Wesley, because the team, according to Rap Sheet, uh, plans to use the franchise tag on Ngakwe. So he might not want to be around, but it doesn't mean the Jaguars have to trade him. Or do they? They just went through this with a star defender with Jalen Ramsey. Do they hold the cards or do they not hold the cards? Anytime you can wield the franchise tag, you hold the cards. But this is a franchise with cap issues. This may be one of the three or four worst. Uh, they're in maybe worse shape than, than all but three or four franchises in the NFL. Maybe even worse than that. They don't have that much talent on the roster. And yet they're up against the cap, 
even though they have a quarterback making peanuts. How does that happen? Well, because they have another quarterback yeah. not making peanuts who, uh, you know, isn't going to play for them probably much this year, Nick Foles. Who knows? Maybe they trade him away for nothing. But to your point, Wes, how do you draft Ngakwe and Jalen Ramsey? And who am I forgetting about that was a good Jaguars draft pick that they've lost over the last couple of years? I mean, they've they've won about at the lowest rate of any team in the NFL except for one year for seven years. And they haven't developed their homegrown players. And it's very rare you see like such an obvious response from sources that Ngakwe tweeted this out this morning and literally three minutes later Adam Schefter had a team source from the Jaguars saying they were going to trade him that was the timeline it was like that was like oh that that's okay you know he's saying that but uh every team out there know that we're going to use this tag because we want to at least trade him they also lost Telvin Smith to a somewhat surprising retirement and you know they their core is gone their defense remember it seemed like every preview show we were tracking this abominable run defense down the stretch that was giving up like 219 yards a game. And, you know, they got rid of some of the people making the decisions and they kept Doug Marone. And I have to wonder... Kept when you, Dave Caldwell. Caldwell been but time. when you hear Nagakwe say, I just don't want to be part of this organization, there's a lot of vestiges of old issues. And Mike Garofolo talked about, you know, Nagakwe and the Jaguars, the contract talks, if they've ever even been around, have been contentious. So, you know, I don't know what you do unless you're going to keep him for one year. You sign and trade him if you can. But if you're him, you're stuck playing in a contract year again where you want to go. You're making good money. What is it, 19-5? But any sort of injury late season messes up your future. Allen Robinson was was the guy I was trying to think of who's a true number one receiver who they developed. They can open up some more money by cutting uh, A.J. Boye, which might happen. But they've had a lot of swing and misses like Andrew Norwell. And I don't think he'll be that hard to trade. It, he'll be expensive to get. But if you can trade Frank Clark on the tag, which is the case what happened last year, right? Or, and right. Then if you can trade D. Ford and both of those guys, um, whether they were on the tag or not, Ford's timing was different, cost a pick and a big contract. Ngakwe, to me, seems almost exactly in their tier of player and someone's going to give up, I think, a, a second or third round pick, whatever it's going to be, and a big more contract, for, or or more than that. I think I think he could get a first, maybe, considering his age. He's not yet twenty five years old. It's just tricky because you got to give what sixty million guaranteed and in twenty plus a year too. So it's just like really expensive. But some some team, there's too much cap space. I'm going to say it a million times. Like some, you got to spend the cap space. Use it. I think the the one thing that Greg has said about the Jaguars that is the seed of so many of these issues is when they took. Leonard Fournette, a running back, over their choice of quarterback X, Y, or Z who could have changed the organization. Third round pick in Gakwe. They've had some swings and misses, but he was not one of them. He's actually had 37 and a half sacks in four seasons with the Jaguars. He's actually closing in on the team sack record uh, all time. Wow. And you know what? He ain't going to be around much longer, sounds like. In other news, speaking of guys and the franchise tag and what's their future, I don't know. A.J. Green. And the Cincinnati Bengals seem to be at an impasse. The Bengals currently plan to use the franchise tag on the wide receiver. Sources tell uh, ESPN's Dan Graziano and Jeremy Fowler. The Bengals want Green in Cincinnati in 2020. Um, And the tag, again, is a good scratch. People saying scratch anymore? I don't know. That's the first I've heard scratch in a long time. He would be getting that bag. Is that good? That's not. Greg, you listen to the hip hop. Give me a good term. I mean, getting that bag just doesn't really... Get that bag, young man. 
just confusing too. Visually. Well, we're just too old for that. I know. It's fine. It's fine. You can you can. Say the tag is estimated to be worth around too young and a half million. Scratch, though. Uh, yeah, there's there's got to be a middle ground. You're in somewhere. a weird purgatory. Too young for scratch. Too old for uh, bag. I'm a man without a country. Um, eighteen and a half million would be his franchise number. Besides, have until July fifteenth to reach a long term deal. You could start tagging dudes on Thursday. So this is all happening right now. Anyway, Green turns 32 in July. He hasn't played much in two years, Greg. Uh, makes sense as a short-term guy for Cincinnati with a new quarterback coming in. But again, will he use his leverage to try to make a deal to get out of there? It sounds like he won't because he, he did say publicly he would be fine with the franchise tag uh, earlier. I mean, how much leverage does he have at 32 coming off a completely missed Yeah, I, right. think, I think that's part of it too. And I don't. he's never been someone who's – complained about being on the Bengals or said that he's been treated poorly or says that ownership is um, a problem. He's he's always said he's liked his experience there, to, to be fair. And that offense, I feel like we've overhyped some Bengals offenses over the year. No. But uh, Joe Burrow, Mixon, Green, Boyd, Ross. Well, if Joe Burrow can play. Is that everything just hinges on that? Yeah, but uh, I'm in on wanting yeah. to watch them week one. We, you know, I, it could be fun. Now, an offensive line that gave up, that was responsible for more sacks than any line in the league. That's a problem. Problem. You know? They're getting a little healthier along the line too. I, I'd still, I, I'm assuming the coaching staff is talented. I didn't see a hint of that last year. And they have, they, they, they. <laughs> Sorry, I mean, no, you're right. Like, you're assuming like, it. Then. No, why, well, because it's like I want to give them the benefit of the doubt because it seemed like every it, a. It's the Bengals, and you're not getting a lot of support hitting the ground as a first-year staff to begin with. You lost A.J. Green all year. You you got stuck in an Andy Dalton scenario where you benched him for someone even more milquetoast. So it's like I, I – they, they Well, it's a young coaching staff they, of guys with not a pedigree of winning, so it's hard to give them the benefit of the doubt. They showed a little something very late, but, man, they, 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 they were – Just not writing them off they yet. They were but I, so what, what, what am I – what am I – you want to see them week one? Go ahead. I will allow you to do that. And you can have might nice be Bengals-Browns. Browns aren't getting that you know nice week one on CBS treatment. They I, don't might, need, have, I don't need last year. Have Don, Don Cricky with the CBS five fifth team. Beasley Reese, give me Cricky. Mark, welcome back. <laughs> welcome back to my corner from last year. You're back in the 10 a.m. Sunday window on the West Coast over and over again. But I think you know that I don't. I am fine with this. Yeah, yeah. Back to let's prove something before we're you know much ballyhooed and thrown in front of like yeah, Tony no. Romo getting massacred in Week One. It's called the total night. Called the Spiro Ditas zone. <laughs> That's fine. <laughs> uh, speaking of Andy Dalton, you know. This is a crazy year. We will never – we could work here another 10 years. I don't know if the offseason will ever feature this many name-brand quarterbacks just completely kind of either twisting in the wind or there being some type of, uh, you know, doubt about their future with their current team. It's pretty wild. And Dalton is one of those names out there. He's obviously not long for Cincinnati. Where will he go? Well – According to Rap Sheet, three potential suitors for the longtime starting, starting QB have emerged, including the Chicago Bears, the Indianapolis Colts, and the New England Patriots. The New England Patriots, uh, of course, the Bears. Um, on that on that topic, they put their faith behind Mitch Trubisky at the end of the season. But uh, as Combine Week rolled on, you started to hear the expected whispers that, yeah, we're not cutting Mitch Trubisky, but we'll be damned if he's going to be the guy that we live and die with in 2020. By the way, I asked directly Matt Nagy this uh, last week. I said, are you going to go the Tannehill route? 
What was his response? I don't think he answered me. Mm. As I recall. I didn't Probably get an smart. answer. Didn't get an answer. We're only a couple I was years, the enemy. We're only a couple years away from Sheck's um, annual why can't we find out of seven billion people on earth thirty two to play quarterback? And now for the first time since I remember following football, we've got more quarterbacks than chairs in the game of musical chairs. Mm. There are too many starting quarterbacks in the NFL now. I mean, if this list of teams that Ian threw out there, and it's early. I don't think Dalton is any of these teams' you know, first choice. If he was in Chicago, he'd obviously be the backup. Uh, if it was with the Colts or the Patriots, maybe he's kind of a fallback plan, depending on what else happens. But it's, it's still great news for Andy Dalton. I mean, these are great. These are good. These are upgrades from the Bengals. His chances of uh, starting you know, meaningful December games are in the playoffs. It has gone up because I think he's going to have a chance to be either a backup or, or on a team that's competitive. The Patriots thing is weird. That's been thrown out there by a number of people. I don't know if this is wishful thinking from Dalton. I don't think it's coming from the Patriots side at this point, Uh, but I don't know. There's something counterintuitive about me though. I, w- I would like a little like Andy Dalton starting a playoff game. I could kind of so see ridiculous. Dalton fitting with the Patriots. I the really bad. could. I could just see, no, nah, I'm not saying like it's a four-year relationship, but that that that's a possibility. Did you say that you felt like he would be a backup in Chicago? To start the year, yes. Because they keep saying I, you week think we're one. we're going to get through training camp where that would be the case? Yeah, I, I do. About that. If, if he was with Chicago, I think they would give Trubisky that that two, they would give him like three weeks to mess it up at the beginning of the season. I just, my head is filled with visions of like that cl- like critical week three preseason game where Dalton goes, you know, 10 for 12, 198 with a touchdown, and Mitchell Trubisky, Trubisky throws two ugly interceptions and fumbles the ball. I don't know if we need to wait till mid September to make the switch there. Yeah, I, I don't know how you feel strongly either way. If, if they go into camp and Trubisky plays like he has the last two years. You, I think you'd have to go into the season with Dalton as your. I f- it would be. I would be excited to see. It would be like Andy Dalton carrying the hopes of Cincinnati on his back. It's like if if they can't win a playoff game, at least Andy Dalton, at least someone from those Marvin Lewis teams, uh, could do it. Great job, you guys. know, chopping it up just now for ninety-seven seconds because it allowed me to go through the whole league and figure out every quarterback. That's what we do that either has some uncertainty or you know, doesn't have a job right now. There's only one division by my quick um, scanning that is unaffected by this whole situation right now. It's the NFC West. Garoppolo, Russell Wilson, Jared Goff, and Kyler Murray. And Pro Football no Talk keeps, keeps throwing out headlines like the Jimmy G, Tom Brady buzz will not oh, die down. It. So they, they – least... You want me to put them on the list? No. All right, no, I won't. Those clicks. All right, here's the list. Tom Brady, Andy Dalton, Ryan Tannehill, Jake Brisket. Nick Foles, Joe Flacco, Derek Carr, Philip Rivers, Dwayne Haskins, Mitch Trubisky, Matthew Stafford, Teddy Bridgewater, Jameis Winston, Cam Newton. All guys with some level of doubt slash indecision. I mean, uh, you know, we don't know where they could be. That's crazy. It's crazy. And we've got this extra week here. This is what's happening this week. We got three shows. If there's no new CBA and – who knows what we're going to talk. It keeps being the same topics over and over because the, the NFL added a week here this offseason. Very quietly, Dan. I know. You know, you've been, top of this. You've been talking about you. pushing that you wanted to keep pushing the offseason out, like get in the way of other sports. I, I didn't say I was. But like that's a. Yeah. 
this is like a purgatory week here that we normally didn't have. We still have two weeks left till free agency. It way back, free agency would happen right after the combine. Then they added one week, and now it's a, a two full weeks of just kind of build up. And especially because there's no CBA, I think teams are just kind of waiting to see what happens with that. But from another angle, could have done you know with a with a lower level of news to discuss and kind of you know scurrying around to figure out what to do with the extra fill-in time. Could have done two shows. Could have been at the sea today or the ocean. Could have been. <laughs> Could have been. And I'll throw this out of here again. We've talked about it before. Why not have the draft next week and then free agency oh, the last week of April? Or, and then just, Doesn't that just make more just, sense? Or just do free agency the week after. Right. Well, that goes we against just, build. You know, they want to own the whole calendar. If anything, I think they'd push the draft back mm-hmm. further. It is interesting. NBA fans always want their free agency and draft flipped because they go the way that you're suggesting, where the draft is before free agency, whereas right. NFL fans often want it flipped the other way. So maybe just oh, people and, just aren't going to be happy no matter NBA what. NBA heads, they just they will not shut up. They're like, oh, there is no offseason in the NBA. Look how they're owning the sports world. It's like, all right, calm down. Nobody's watching your games. Calm down. Whoa, whoa. Have you seen their ratings? They do you? have a long season well, followed yeah. immediately by the draft and free agency. They right. do have like just a long calendar. Let's work It'd on developing tough. a regular season of any meaning at all. We have a right. a, the NBA is struggling on that. Front. We have an Anchorman, Anchorman style street fight scheduled with the starters. Those guys <laughs> from the NBA. They're just gonna like whoever wins. You know, we'll decide what's better. And then we have to. Stu- are we suddenly covering the NBA if mm. we if we were to thoroughly beat them down and remove what them to from, the point where they couldn't function anymore? I mean, what are we or didn't exist? That sounds just like a lot more work. <laughs> in a, a that's not what I was thinking. Okay. No, it wasn't like a uh, like an invasion not of Poland type thing, like where we we would take over the whole. Re- no, that's okay. not what I was thinking. Just you know, old school fight. Bye. Okay, Tony Romo, that's the big domino. Forget about all that other stuff. He is staying at CBS, and he is making some loot. That's good. Mm, works. Give me the loot. Dough. Greenbacks. Greenbacks. Sawbucks? Wampum? Sawbucks. Wampum. <laughs> Scratch. I don't even get Sawbucks. I'm sure someone will tweet me, I looked it up in a dictionary and this is what it means. <laughs> oh, cool. Is that your Greg voice? No, just like, you know, it's like whenever you have any open questions, you're going to get like people tweeting. It was his Greg voice, too. People tweeting <laughs> it's, at I got you. It's like, it's just like, I figured out what the word is. It's just like the annoying voice. In certain it's not. Years. It's not. It was not aimed at Greg at all. Yeah, CBS and Tony Romo have agreed to a multi-year contract worth approximately, wait for it, $17 million per season. Rap Sheep reported... A bunch of other people had it, including the New York Post, which was first to report the news. Uh, the deal, okay, a couple things. First of all, it like triples his previous salary. It is more money than I think he ever made any time as a player. I think he averaged nine million a year in his time with the Cowboys. Now he's making seventeen. The 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 thing that you could, in terms of a comparison point. Similar situation with John Madden back in 93 when he signed with Fox and he was making more than any player in the league. That's not Romo here. But $17 million is astronomical and it will have fallout on that entire industry, you'd imagine. You know, Troy Aikman's probably going to be looking for some money now. Like, if Troy, what's Troy Aikman making right now? $7 million a year? $6 million a year? Is Tony Romo I don't think it's $11 million better than Troy Aikman? 
Wes, he's in a category by himself. You are. You're worth. Uh, you're worth what people are. The market's willing to pay you. That's what you. Well, worth. that's that's for sure. And and I've read I've read a lot about this just because the whole thing has been interesting to me. And one of the things that worked out for him beautifully, timing wise, uh, was first of all the brevity of the previous contract, and then the fact that they are you know they have the rights negotiations coming up for the networks oh, yeah. uh, to decide who's going to cover NFL games and CBS is a broadcast network as anybody that's following media knows and just you know if you're alive the broadcast is no longer king broadcast channels they don't have the the carry and the wealth they used to have compared to some of these cable and Netflix and Disney and all that stuff and what CBS does here is they make an investment saying Listen, we might not be the powerhouse we used to be in terms of uh, as a network, but we have Tony Romo. So the the deal goes through three years at the minimum, and then the rights deal comes. And if they do re up and CBS keeps football, it ends up lasting, I believe, ten years in total. At which point, whew, I don't know, seventeen times ten is a man carrying one hundred and seventy million. I mean, it, I don't know if it's a bargain, but it's fine. It's not. It it's, it's more than money. worth it. Well, that's true too. But like, if if you found out that um, Tom Selleck was making, you know, five six million dollars a year on Blue Bloods on CBS, people would be like, oh yeah, that makes sense for Selleck. <laughs> People love Blue Bloods. <laughs> yeah, this it's like it's the number one show on TV by far. Blue Bloods is buried. Uh, you know, it's like if it, you Wait, wouldn't, what? you wouldn't, uh, you wouldn't come. Blue Bloods does well. I think they're like in season seven. That's what I'm saying. They're doing a nice job but over there. It, my point is, yeah, as I know, CBS dwarf. You know, football yeah, yeah. dwarfs it. It's the number one show, so you pay they your need number football. one. Your number one actor. If, uh, if there's even money. like a half of one percent scenario where CBS doesn't get football, though, and then we have. Lost Tony Romo to essentially like two or three months of golf a year. That would be problematic. Friends actors made what a million an episode. You're telling me Romo's not worth a million a game? Yeah, I'm not arguing that with you. All right, Michael oh, Thomas no. is arguing with you. You know, and Mike. Yeah, what did Michael Thomas say? Michael Thomas basically said nobody who's calling the games should make more than anybody who's playing the games. To which I would say, give me a break. You're chasing a bag of wind around the park. Why can't a guy talking about you chasing a bag of wind around, around the park make as much money as you? Whatever the market will bear is what happens. Mike, what are we doing? What None we... of you are brain surgeons. The well, Mike Thomas. On without you. The person announcing the game has the ability to take a very dull, boring game and add some life and interest to it. That's not something well, Plus, there's only one is. Romo. There's another 50 players probably that are making between what Romo makes and whatever the number two guy makes. So it's not like right. uh, there's a lot and, of Romo. And, you know, Mikey Thomas, come back to us. Are, are you paying attention? to the most lucrative route for a post-playing career? Right. It's going into the booth or going right. to a studio and being an analyst. Tony Romo just reset the entire market. Wait, when he, you should be celebrating the man. Yeah. When he's 40, Michael Thomas won't feel this way. Greg Olson. He's 34. Mark, Mark Ingram was on our coverage Comes all quicker weekend. than you realize. I mean, it's like they're planning their post-careers. There was this one report from Andrew Marchand at the New York Post that before signing Romo, to the full deal, CBS offered Peyton Manning Romo's job. Have you seen this? CBS did that preemptively? That they were concerned that they weren't going to get it or have to pay too much because of the stuff you're talking about money-wise. That I'm not. This Makes is coming sense. From New York Post. So yeah. we'll oh, they see, thought he might leave for ESPN. If he left, they needed to have somebody because the number two guy, and we love him, the bird and the beard, but Dan Fouts, he's not, he's not bringing what Romo brings. So they would have had to find someone to make a splash to, again, make them enticing come re-up time. I, 
Oh, that also, makes sense. ESPN people have to be happy about this. Yeah, if you're on Monday Night Football too, and you're part of that production, you have it is dis- it's disquieting, and you know not that this would become as a huge shock. There were some issues with that production, we know, but that you know your own company is just uh, went all out to try to get someone other than you to headline your show. It's just not a great feeling in any job, you, any industry, any relationship. I can't Wait, imagine why you'd want that. Did you say you think ESPN is happy about this? No, I'm saying some people that work at oh, ESPN that, currently in that the, maybe yes. are thinking they would have Incumbents, a Incumbents, if you will. Yeah, shot at, to have the job. at that job. Yeah. yeah. And yet, well, you know, like Mark's saying, it's a tough situation, though. Tough sitch. Because now they know you actively were trying to replace them. Like, at what point? But at least, but they'd have to know that anyone would be going after Tony Romo. This right. is in a Bruce Arians situation where they're like openly, you know, talking trash about Jameis Winston or talking <laughs> about other people. But we're all we've documented this almost weekly on the show since the end of the season. <laughs> we're all very happy that Tony is at CBS. You stay together for the kids, and you stay with your your boy Jimmy Nance. Good news for football. Fans. I'm happy for Jim. He's, oh, the, how he's one of happen? the biggest winners. Isn't he he Jim Nance it. finally catches a break. 50% off everything at Vineyard Vines to celebrate Tony Romo's <laughs> extension. Um, oh, this is – I just want to hit on this quickly just because it's, it's funny to me and um, it does – everyone take everything with a grain of salt when you hit all these reports about where people could be going, who's talking to who, where someone's likely to land in free agency because we're still a bit off. How, we, how long till free agency kicks off? Three weeks? Sorry. Two Two weeks. Two weeks. It's a lot of time. That's forever in football terms. So yesterday, good example. Jack Conklin, former first-round pick, right tackle of the Titans. He's hitting the market. And Mike Florio of P- PFT reported that Conklin is expected to sign with the Jets. The Jets, obviously, a team that needs – Although he didn't say expected, to be fair to, uh, to Mike. What did he Roto say? World, this is happening now with, like, a game of – Te- you know, telephone. They wrote he's expected. They just he said that he had one source that one team expected that thought uh, you know Conklin was going to the Jets. Okay, so Florio had a source saying one team thought Conklin was going to New York. That sits out there for about three or four hours. It gets aggregated across the land. Everyone now assuming that Conklin's locked in as the Jets' right tackle as they begin their rebuild there. And then ESPN's Adam Schefter. Um, at about, uh, yeah, about two and a half hours later, reports that impending free agent uh, right tackle Jack Conklin is not expected to sign with the Jets. And not only is he, so we had the Florio kind of report that said he was going to sign with the Jets. Yeah, it said one NFL team has been informed that Conklin plans to sign with the Jets. Right. That was his report. Schefter's wasn't just like, actually, Conklin's market is still fluid. Nobody knows. It was actually the report that Conklin has going to have many suitors, but the Jets are not on his list. Wait, really? Yeah, that's. I read that yesterday. So it was like the exact opposite spectrum, and it all happened within three hours. Grain of salt. Keep that in mind. Keep your head on a swivel. Hmm. He is not expected to land with the offensive line needed Jets. That's what was in Schefter's uh, tweet. I mean, that feels like also when you're at that last day of the combine, and I know you can just text everyone, no problem, but there was a lot of information passing to and fro just because all these people were sort of in the same room and corridors, some wild stuff, and especially at night. I mean, Dan, I think we heard some people say some things that were slightly jaw-dropping, but you can't go do anything with it. But. Well, she- yeah, Schefter... I think he's doing a good job covering bases. <laughs> okay. You know what I mean? Like, if you're Conklin's agent, you cannot have that out there now. Right. No matter what, whether he signs with the Jets or not. And, of course, whoever 
that is doesn't want it out there anyways because they they want to see what it, it's still too early for that even if the expectation is I'm saying if if you are getting really excited about the Conklin, I mean, marriage, I couldn't sleep last don't, night. Don't uh, <laughs> don't don't get too disappointed. He's like, I want I that B minus guard for fifteen million dollars a year. He was a great right tackle last year. That, that, I don't. I did some deep dive. He's he's a very good McBride <laughs> uh, in the O line. Yeah, he's a very good pass blocker or a very good run blocker, but not a very good pass blocker. That's what they say. PFF says big mistake uh, by the Titans not giving him a fifth-year option, which basically has no risk to it. Well, and, uh, and it's easy to say now, but he he came off an ACL injury and didn't play well in 2018. Right. So my lukewarm take, and I they guess, know him more than we do. Let's be honest. They, my lukewarm take, which I th- don't won't think matters anymore because they're changing the fifth-year option quite a bit, is that every single player that's ever shown a pulse should just get the fifth-year option because it's not guaranteed anyways. You might as well just do it. I feel like three out of four guys or maybe four out of five guys get it, right? Some are just such depressing right. first round busts that you don't a, do that. I said Come if you've on. shown a pulse. Conklin yeah. was a pro bowler his rookie year. He, he, you know who's a great example? Your boy David Njoku, where it looks like he could go either way, probably will, but he's a perfect example. He has shown something, but right. really not much. Right. And if he gets a tag, anybody right. can. Right, and, and it's it's fair to say that maybe the regime three regimes ago, which was only <laughs> about three and a half years ago, might have felt differently, but he probably never knows how anyone feels about him. <laughs> how could you? Uh, finally in the news, Tom Brady and his boy, Julian Edelman, were with Jimmy Fallon, the talk show host, at a Syracuse, North Carolina basketball game over the weekend, and we had a viral clip. Mark, why don't you set this up, because I think Ricky has some sound as well. Take us through the process. Well, it's, it's you know, sideline, courtside seats, and you've got... Uh, Julian Edelman, who looked to me to be roughly suddenly 17 years older than the last time I saw him, with uh, to his left, Jimmy Fallon, and to his right, much closer to the camera, Tom Brady. And you'll hear Edelman basically when they kind of cut to these guys saying, you know, he's staying, he's staying, something along those he's lines. Coming back, he's coming back. Coming back. back. And, and, and you really, like, you need to go seek this out online too because the look and the awkward set-in looks on Tom Brady's face <laughs> over the next, like, 10, 12 seconds – is a uh, bit of a death glare. I it thought. is. And there was a lot of, you know, even in some articles that set out there for 24 hours, people trying to figure out what he actually said. And NFL Network came to the conclusion that what Tom Brady said at the end of all this, which initially was meant to be negative, like he's not or whatever, he said he's got it. Like Edelman's got the news, but not in a way that would make you think, if you're a Patriots fan, Greg, you watched it, it would make you feel comfortable. It we was, have audio it, of this? Yeah, we should listen to it. But I think it's the visual you to have it. to look at too. He's coming back. He's coming back. So Edelman, he's coming back. He's coming back. Some random guy to Brady goes, what did you tell uh, Beheim, who's the Syracuse coach? Is he still there? Yes, he has been there for like Brady goes ever. Yeah. Brady goes, he's got it. It sounded like, but some people said he, he said he's not as in he's not coming. He did back. say he's got it. They isolate the and the NFL network guys did a good job, like boosting up his audio, isolating it. <laughs> It's like a, almost like a CIA operation. <laughs> we, we, I love they it. led the show with this, and uh, it was great because the facial expression is it. very much. I interpreted it more as just why you know I'm I'm on TV. I'm aware of it. I am trying to have no reaction, but there's no way to have no he struggled, reaction. Though. And it's just like like a, a a grin that with his teeth bared. And Edelman's reaction was funnier because it was definitely the. 
Tom Brady is the alpha in their relationship reaction and like, oh, did I go too far pushing the guy who's yeah. like made my career? And a little sheepish, he like clo- he like crosses his arms. Just well, then like, I might have got a little no Lamborghini right. and, for Christmas. And this Jimmy year, Fallon <laughs> typically knows what he's going to be say left and right. He just had no idea what to do at the moment either. So it's it's a nice bushel of awkwardness. All right, I like this intrigue. I, I, I maybe that's rare among Patriots fans. You're you're legitimately playing with house money. Even if this goes well, terribly sideways, and, it's all fun for you. And on, I would rather Tom Brady, and maybe we can talk about this with Tom Curran, who's coming in, but I'd rather have Tom Brady struggle in another uniform than struggle with the Patriots. All right. I just don't want to see that. Let's. That is a good way to get into it now. Let's get him on the phone, Mr. Tom Curran. Tom, are you there? I'm right here. Yes, I am. There he is, Tom Curran. Tom, Dan Hans is here. Um Whenever we talk about Tom Brady or the Patriots in general, you know, Greg's our right-hand, right-hand man when it comes to New England stuff, and he will cite your name more than anyone else as a quote-unquote person he trusts to know the situation. And in these times, we need you, Tom Kern, to give us yep. thoughts on the Tom Brady situation. We just finished breaking it down, Subruder film style, uh, the Syracuse game. Uh, where are we at right now? Give us a little insight. Uh, please help us. Well, let's start right there because we now have enhanced audio. Yes, we just listened. That in. Are you guys good with the enhanced audio? Yeah, Did we just listened. It was beautiful. Okay, so it's just a question about Bayheim, and he said uh, he's got it or whatever. Right. So we're good on that. All right, we'll move on from uh, that. Oh, so you're saying he was definitely responding to the Bayheim question. 100%. Mm. And the deaths there he gave to Julian, we're not going to read into that. The death stare you gave to Julian was the kind of death stare you give to your little brother when you say, you know what, all right, I'll go to the game with you. It'll be good for your brand. Let's go have some fun. <laughs> um, and then you're playing along, and the camera comes over, and the little brother can't help himself. Okay. He, just, he does something that makes him say, you know, I knew that you would do something that I regretted, and you just did. And that's not what I was looking for. Mm, so great. that's why I thought Brady said, let's not, as in let's not be a different. Here. <laughs> I, I got that. And by the way, so far, even and Tom, you and I haven't really had a chance to to really speak at length uh, together. We're not buddies yet, uh, but yes. you've already cleared up a major situation. So Greg's scouting of you is spot on through about ninety seconds. Oh, good. I mean, <laughs> Tom, Tom and I go way well. back. We we worked at multiple places together, and anyone that's followed the Tom Brady's career. They know Tom Curran has been uh, inextricably linked to him ever since Tom Curran. It, it was a strategic move. He wouldn't say this, but early on in the Bledsoe-Brady time together, he had called Drew Bledsoe a hood ornament in wow. print. <laughs> in the Boston Herald, he would call him Robert Kraft's hood ornament, a thing he put on his car to distract all the Patriots fans, his contract from everything going on. And Tom planted his fra- his flag in a, in a sixth-round pick out of Michigan before anyone else did. And these players, they remember these things. I mean, I'm telling you, if you watched that training camp in 2001, <laughs> what you would have seen, if you were watching closely, would have been inescapable to you, too. Hmm. The skinny kid looked way better than the statue from Washington State. Wow. You've and also – go ahead. It was an intervention that Bo Lewis <laughs> formed that Bill Belichick <laughs> will to this day say, thank God, because I was about a week from benching him anyway. Ooh. You've also contributed one of my favorite words to the lexicon of this podcast. Greg tells us that his, when he says somebody's honking, oh, yeah, that's a Tom Curran original. 
I did steal uh, that. I think I grabbed that from the globe, but I actually think Florio credited <laughs> me for coining Swiss Army Knife. I can't Ooh. imagine that I was. Wow, that, that, can't, that can't be true. That's nice. I can't imagine that I was. A, he might have heard it from me first, but you know how it is out there in West Virginia. It's, it, you know, <laughs> things wash ashore there late. So, <laughs> um, Tom, um, so Tom. I, I go way back with Greg, and the great thing about covering this team, and, and this is where this coverage is different, is there are nuances to covering this team. It's hard to get in with individual people. It's hard to build the trust, and it's hard to cover this team from afar. There are much, there are many folks around people who get very exercised when they get on the phone and start talking to folks, and I try and divide and take out a little bit of the stuff that I think is emotional. Hmm. The people around Tom or around the team or around ownership might say. Like right right now, what do you think is emotional that's maybe getting out there? Because this last I, week, we, we reached, and I'm sure it'll get even crazier, but we kind of reached peak Brady speculation, uh, especially on ESPN with their old friend, you know, Jeff Darlington, saying he'd be shocked if uh, Brady was back there. And I get along great with Jeff, and Jeff is very well plugged in, I believe, uh, with everything Brady right now. I just have seen this movie too many times here in New England where you think something is absolutely, positively, definitely going to happen, and you get to a point where you walk a plank, and it's hard to come back. I wouldn't be stunned if Tom Brady came back, Nick Casario's back, Josh McDaniels came back, Mm. Dion Branch came back, Jamie Collins came back. There is a pitch, and I wrote this today, that will be made to Tom Brady, and it's not going to necessarily revolve around we're going to get you this player and this player and this player and this player. And we're going to pay you this much money, and we're going to commit to you for this long. The pitch is really going to consist of, I, in my estimation, from what I understand, what are you doing? Where is it going to be better? Where are they going to understand what it's like with two minutes left, we're down four, and we need to manage it? Do these guys know the situational things? Do they know what you expect? Do they even have the same verbiage in their offense? Are you going to coach the coaches to coach the players? Because those are all the things, Tom, that you're going to encounter out there. It's going to be very frustrating for you at 43. But can they have there. a conversation with him like that? I mean, is that the is that how you would play that conversation? I mean, I feel like this I don't guy, think that'd be the first thing I'd say when he's right. But you get there. Yeah, I don't think that's the first thing I say. Is what are you thinking about? <laughs> I think it's say, look, there were some mistakes we made, as you know, Tom. Um, there's things that didn't work out. There's injuries that arose. That's all in the past. I, mean, I think it how makes can sense. We move forward. I think it makes sense to pitch the competitive advantage of staying in an environment that knows him so well and vice versa versus, you know, shifting gears to a lesser team that you find out half these NFL teams are running away that would be completely unacceptable to Tom Brady. But do you think that Belichick and Robert Kraft are on the same page when it comes to the future of Tom Brady, the desire to even have that conversation and do whatever it takes to keep him uh, from getting out of the building. Yes, and I reported that mm. you know in the story that I wrote today that Bill Belichick and the Patriots and the coaching staff is very committed to trying to convince Tom Brady to stay in 2020. Do they make a two-year commitment? I mean, had they done the Drew Brees contract last year, we wouldn't be here now. Two years, $50 million, bam, done. We wouldn't be sitting here. They resisted the two years. They said we want to go year to year. That's not what Brady wanted. That's why he asked for and was given 
the opportunity to not be franchised because Robert Kraft didn't want Brady to come back against his will. He didn't want him to feel tethered. He didn't think that was productive. So that's why we are where we are. But Robert Kraft also understands that he is running a risk. But he does want to embolden Belichick to do what he's always done, which is run the football side of things. The notion that Robert Kraft intervened on Jimmy Garoppolo isn't accurate. It grew legs, it grew wings, it grew tentacles, <laughs> and it's run wild. It didn't happen. And I've been told that directly by Kraft, that it's a bleeping lie. I didn't do that. I, and I believe him. I see so much of what you're saying about the benefits of staying in New England, and I really don't want to see him go somewhere else and fail because the coaching infrastructure isn't there and the players aren't there. But what about the idea there are very few athletes in history – I'm thinking like Muhammad Ali and Michael Jordan on the level of Tom Brady's career where there are multiple peaks once you think he's done. He just keeps peaking and peaking and peaking. There are only a handful of guys in the history of sports like that. What about the idea of Tom Brady creating a new challenge for himself because there's no challenge left? Mm. 100% that exists. But the difference with those guys is they were either in individual sports or team sports in which it was much smaller. For Tom to orchestrate that in a different place, to impart a culture on a 53- or 60-man roster when you get through all the people who come in and out and on a coaching staff, is much more difficult to do. That's why, to me, Tennessee makes the most sense because there's a culture in place and there's he's pre-sold in terms of what Mike Vrabel will say. Just listen to him and just watch what he does, and this is what we want. So I think that's an advantage, but I think it's much harder for him to do that, but I do think that he's enthused by that. In 2019 and, and for a large part of 2018, he'd go to the line and say, what am I going to do on this play? I don't know if he's going to be in the right spot. I don't know if he's going to be in the right spot. I have no tight end as, as far as last year. I don't know what's going to happen over there at left tackle. I'm probably going to end up having to throw this ball away. And he did that, a league leading by a large amount, 45 times. Hmm. He doesn't I, want to go through that again this year. I, I was amazed uh... – a part of the story, you know, at the Syracuse game that we didn't even mention, which is that he was FaceTiming with, with Vrabel. Vrabel at, in, in Indianapolis certainly did not uh, hesitate to talk about Brady, to talk about his friendship, to talk about how many challenges he thought Brady presented as a playoff opponent. Like, if, if he's trying to use that as a negotiating thing with Ryan Tannehill, I mean, to me, it's working. And, and they're, like, FaceTiming. These are 40-something-year-old men. First of all, do you guys, does anyone FaceTime? With with other men, like I don't all, all like, the with time, other all the time with like all friends. the time. I'd rather not discuss my private life. I'm just saying, who FaceTimes except for like with their kids or their wife? I didn't know that's a thing. <laughs> the fact that he's FaceTiming with Vrabel on a random February day with Julian Edelman. Who called who? That seems uh, significant. I don't know. They, they live a different life than we do, fellas. They live a different <laughs> life. <laughs> right, yeah, t- but I do think yeah, one thing ahead. that you mentioned there in terms of the tampering. And the notion that Mike Vrabel is doing, a lot of eyebrows went up. My understanding is the Patriots are, quote, in a story I wrote recently, not going to be, quote, super vigilant about the tampering. For two reasons. One, they don't feel their competition with other teams is financially based. They're selling a situation, not a paycheck. Even though Tom Brady doesn't want to get nickel and dimed again, because he feels he has been, they're more about what's the situation that you have here as opposed to other places. Secondarily, when they sit down with him to eventually talk about money, they don't want him to be 
of a mind that I don't know what's out there yet. I have no idea what's going to go on. I need to go to free agency to find these things out. So there is an advantage to that. So while I think that it does raise eyebrows, I've been told the Patriots are not going to be chasing tampering charges all over the planet. All right, percent chance. By the way, I find that our employer is often selling a situation versus a paycheck as well, so <laughs> I can understand. Very often. Very often. Port in the storm. Uh, percent chance that Tom is wearing, not Tom Kern, Tom Brady is wearing a different uniform week one. Oh, you're going to love this answer. 50. <laughs> All right. Well, still, I mean, and I guess my my last question, Tom, for you is, since you have had you know a level-headed viewpoint on this, I think we all think, and uh, are you at all surprised where it is right now compared to where you thought it would have been, let's say, in October when there started to be some percolation about his struggles and his contract was up? Uh, are you surprised that where we're here right now where it feels 50-50 and you're getting these reports uh, out there, or is this something uh, you kind of saw coming? It was always going to be a little uh, messy this time of year with uh, the contract coming up. No, I knew it was going to look exactly like this. Probably actually worse. Hmm. Because in August and late July, before they were able to get the contract done, um, you know, Brady expected a longer commitment. When he didn't get it, he really, and the folks around him were like, okay, you know what? Fun's fun, but now we have no players around him. He's going to go out there. Things aren't going to look good. And then when the Antonio Brown situation came and went, I don't think Brady was psyched about it. I really don't think Bill Belichick was psyched about the way that went down either. That became further agitation for Brady. And the season bore it out. He ended up taking the brunt of the blame for it. Well, he slipped, and he, he is 42, you know. And so many of those games, yeah, he he did show less pocket poise and patience than in past years, but the arm strength's there. The pocket mobility is still there. I don't think I've seen a physical dip from him. So most people, if you asked 10 people, I think that nine would say, yeah, he's slipping. I think that as that season wore on, he wasn't that psyched about that, that he had mm-hmm. to bear the brunt of it and he had to stand there. And you could see that in his face. So I, I kind of felt that it was going to trend this way um, the whole time. It, what fascinates me is when push comes to shove over the next 10 days, 15 days, whether the Patriots will be able to exert upon him and convince him that, look, this is the best place for you. It always has been. It always will be. We want you here. Hmm. You really think his pocket mobility hasn't slipped at all? Pocket mobility? No. He is. Uh, That's I, shocking I to me. His ability to elude the rush, duck his shoulders, move around people? Yeah. Like, I, I, mean, I think it's like slipped you significantly. Had, you had Ted Karras in front of him. <laughs> Instead of David Andrews, you had Marshall Newhouse for a chunk of the season. Now they have Marshall Mathers. Instead of Trent Brown. Um, Jack Mason didn't have as good a season. It was a circus. Mm, right. I, I, I grant and all of that. Save it for the pub, guys. I, yeah, I think uh, I think Brady, Brady could be getting motivation from his, his old pal Tom Curran. Because a lot of people in Tom Curran's spot. Uh, he's got his radio show. He's got his TV show. Mm-hmm. It's like they give up the writing part of it. We, we've seen it with our careers. Our writing has dropped off. But Curran's out there. He's still spinning gems. I'm just telling Pardon you. Like if you want to read I'm about like Patriots. <laughs> it's, Tom, Tom, it's you, nice. It's great. Do you get a uh, Christmas card from Tom Brady? No. 
Okay. Just check. <laughs> no, 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 no. You could read no. Tom's latest column, the one that he's referenced uh, on this show today, at NBC Sports Boston.com slash Patriots, Patriots. And you could also follow him on Twitter at Tom E. Curran, uh, C-U-R-R-A-N. I just did. I don't know. I fell through the cracks. I didn't, I didn't have a follow. Now I bang a follow. Now, Tom, that's up to you if you want to follow back the old Zeuser. That's, that's your call, totally. But uh, This yeah. is the real off-season drama we're tracking. The old Zeuser is Dan Hansis. Do you want to start FaceTiming on the regular? Absolutely. Um, Tom, thanks for uh, joining us and bringing some clarity to a unclear situation. All right. Well, thanks for having me, guys. Take right. care. Thank you, Tom. All right. There he goes. Great. He, you know, sometimes you have a guest on for the first time, and you get you immediately sense – they, you know, get along with our style of, you know, our game. A little mirth, a little fun, some analysis in there. Tom E. Kern. He's a he's a legitimately funny guy. Like, there's a lot of sports writers that think they're that try to be funny on. Oh Twitter, yeah, they're and right. I, can uh-uh. be, I can be guilty of this uh, as well. But but in the room, Tom Kern, it's a ball of laughs. He's a funny guy. He owns a room. I, I'm saying, yeah. If if he's nice. if he's at a table of people, he's he's gonna be he's gonna be owning it. Um, okay, good stuff, guys. Good show. Uh, two more shows this week. We'll have a a Wednesday program where we are efforting. That's a that's a corpo term. We're efforting to have someone uh, to talk a little combine uh, and uh, get a little breakdown from what happened in Indy. This past week. And then remember Friday, and I, I, I think I locked her in on the show, but there's no way Colleen remembers that by now. Uh, we will have the, uh, we will name the Connie Fox theme song if Colleen is in the house and available uh, on the show. We will have our, our top five finalists, and then we will select it. We have to, actually, Ricky Hollywood, we have to kind of get on this and figure out the whole voting process and uh, which songs formally are the five finalists. We gotta do some legwork ahead of Friday's show to do this right. I'm yeah. just thinking about this. Wait, it's been so long since we heard so we might have to go to six. I mean, we might have to just like maybe break a rule or two. Maybe. All right. A couple of those early ones were gems. Absolutely, Mark. Absolutely. You wanna be the last turd. I think you we we went out with a bang with that one song that everyone's tweeting about and then those early ones, some of them were A plus, just forgotten. Mm-hmm. So you gotta do We this won't cor- forget that. Yeah, I gotta do this correctly. In fact, we'll how about Or we- I'm out. When we re-listen to the ones that we saw as finalists, potentially, we'll listen to the latest ones first. Ooh. So the last one we hear is the first one we heard. It's going to be hard for Greg to maintain the energy he had for that last one. Never seen him so happy. Never and at first, so we were, I think even I was saying that that wouldn't have been a finalist, but since it's not, let's listen to it again and again. But I think <laughs> uh, ultimately that's, uh, that's telling us something about this song, that it yeah. has to be part of the, the uh, Oh, now I see your game. You want to get that in as the sixth finalist. Even though it has a little bit of a dig at the face. Oh, yeah, that was true. It also has... And Gonzo. I mean, out of it respect really to Gonzo, wasn't. It was more a praiseworthy of Colleen, right? With all due respect would... to Gonzo, a part of it was that he would be cast aside and an NFL player would then marry Connie. I think, yeah, it was a cast system scenario where Gonzo was being viewed as not really worthy of what Colleen has flowered into. It was, it was, like it was a deal break. Which I don't agree with, by it the way. It was fun wordplay that happens. in. Uh, but it's all, it is a little funny to me that, remember, you you got on your horse and you were like, how dare that one man say some a joke at Colleen's expense in his song uh, from the first round of songs. And then this guy, he is uh, causing trouble within Colleen's family that's structure, fu- and you're fine. like, it's cool. Yeah, that's fine. I mean, Colleen's the star here. It's an inconsistency there. Even Gonzo knows that.
Well, I mean, you're you're making declarative statements about someone else's family again. I did ask Colleen if Gonzo is aware of this competition. No, she said he has no idea, which is kind of funny the more you think about it <laughs> because John is in so many of these songs. <laughs> Better for him not to know what's happening, I would, I would suggest. All right, let's go. Thanks for listening to the Around the NFL podcast presented by Intuit QuickBooks, official sponsor of the NFL. Stan Hans is signing off for Quiet Storm, the mailman, the old boss. Ricky Hollywood behind the glass and thank you again to Tom Curran for joining us. Till Wednesday. Hey, what's going on, guys? Hey, guys. Hey, the Tom. Yo, Tom. <laughs> this is Holly Fry from Stuff You Missed in History Class. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV, like an adventure-ready RAV4. Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander. With seating for up to eight passengers and available panoramic moonroof, you can sit back and enjoy the wide-open views with the whole family. Check out more national sales event deals when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. Whether it's your first time betting or you've been gambling for years, have a plan and know the game. Be aware of the rules and odds before you gamble. Set a budget and never gamble with money you can't afford to lose. Take a break and consider teaming up with trusted friends to help you stick to your budget. Remember, if you or a loved one has a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to helpmygamblingproblem.org for free confidential services. Farm to store in days, not weeks. That's 80 Acres Farms. Did you know most salads travel over 2,000 miles to reach your plate? But not 80 Acres Farms. Their crisp salad greens and herbs are food less traveled. They stay fresher for longer in your fridge. My salad lasts all week long, which means less food waste and easy meal planning. Oh, and did I mention there's zero need to wash these greens? Because 80 Acres Farms uses zero pesticides. Visit 80acresfarms.com to learn more and find their salads and salad kits at your local Harris Teeter.